Hello and welcome to Cracking Cryptids and Curios. This is Matt, once again joined by Angel. Before we dive deep and explore today's underwater entity, I wanted to ask you about the latest thing you started to do, Angel. I don't know if you learned this one from TikTok or if this is an Angel original, as you say, but it is a prank that you call moon grassing. At least, you, you call it a prank. Uh, from my perspective, I, I think it might be more of a criminal act, but again, that's that's all perspective. The idea is that during a full moon, you go to a random person's house and you dig up as much of the top three inches of their yard as you can. In essence, you take a person's yard away from them. Just you, a shovel, the moonlight, and an unsuspecting person's grass. Why do you take people's grass away from them? You know, everyone in once in their life needs a, a renewal or rebirthing of sorts. And because they have to be humbled. That's right. <laughs> and what better way than to start fresh? Because by removing their grass, it allows other plants and seeds that have been laying dormant to possibly come up and decorate their lawns in even better ways than the crap grass they had mm -hmm. so this isn't a prank it's an opportunity it's an opportunity for growth uh-huh and and for learning what do you do with all that grass next question please <laughs> the sore subject why <laughs> the full moon aspect of this why why does the moon play into this prank so this the moon kind of relates to the other question of why I'm taking the grass and so I feel that I'm maybe not safe in answering this. Yeah. I don't You're playing this one close to the chest. There's uh people that might hear this and you know get <laughs> the, the authorities. Uh, well <laughs> I'm not saying who, but I don't want them to know what exactly I'm making I'm I mean doing uh -huh. with the grass. I just have I suppose one final question. So moon grassing is still in its infant stage as a, as a prank. Do you have any suggestions for how others could get involved in moon grassing if they so chose? Yes, they need to send me an email, possibly through our official show's email, and ask about joining the moon grassing crusade. I will send them... A badge that acknowledges this, they can then be let in on the secrets <laughs> no, that's, that I that's... will not reveal on air. And then they can tell somebody else the secret, and then that person can tell more secrets. It's it's like a pyramid of secrets. Yes, yes, it is, and um, it also requires a um, a dollar Small donation. <laughs> Minimum donation of a dollar. <laughs> For the secret, of course, right? Secret. Will this get more popular? Only time will tell. Today's entity, however, seems to have been around since the beginning of recorded time. I am talking of everyone's favorite underwater humanoid, the mermaid. We are jumping headfirst, Angel. This is going to be a wild ride. Are you ready? 
Yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> You're still stewing about your secrets. <laughs> when you hear the word mermaid, what what is the image that comes to mind for you, Angel? A fish person. What's like? What does that fish person look like? Well, they tend to be kind of ugly and you know brutish. Like they don't have good like man cavemanish. No, not cavemanish. Just no. you know, red hair. That's. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> For those that don't know, that's a joke. I I don't think red hair people are ugly, <laughs> but soulless and <laughs> and and can't handle their pain. <laughs> can't handle our pain. <laughs> Anything else? No, just just half half fish, you know, typically the bottom half. So when when you think mermaid though or just merfolk is it always the female form that you think of first or yes, actually. Yeah. Mhm. I I'm, I'm in the same boat. And I I think it would be a fun thought experiment to find out how many people really think of Ariel from the Disney's version of the Little Mermaid story when they hear the word mermaid because she does for me. It's the first thing I think of. The interesting thing about that is just how much control a company like Disney can have over a mythological concept as simple as something like mermaids. So recently, we were uh, we were guests on the podcast Tracing Owls, a, a a podcast that we of course suggest you all listen to, and it is hosted by a longtime friend of the show, Vuk. And on that show, we spoke about the power that folklore can have. And I had mentioned how certain folklore that it can empower or in some instances take away from certain sections of society, such as stories about cryptids that would target runaway slaves, which would in turn add even more fear and anxiety into the idea of running away to prevent them from doing that. But a huge media empire like Disney has a lot of control over the interpretation and narrative of folklore, in my opinion. So... Take Ariel from The Little Mermaid, and I am willing to bet that the imagery of Ariel with her flowing red hair, thin body, and playful demeanor influence a lot of people when they're young with what the, you know, air quote, proper form of a mermaid is. Can you imagine, Angel, if the animation in that film showed the mermaids as the top part of the body being a fish and the bottom half being the human part? (laughs) Or like the Ningyo in Japanese culture is sometimes depicted with a full fish body and a human head. It would be chaos, right? You know, Disney is, is, is like, they do these things. They, they make people want to relate to creatures, right? Like Mickey mm-hmm. Mouse and stuff like that. Even though they're, they're mice, they look nothing like real life mice. Having a fish, a mermaid look like having that fish head and, and human legs would just be ridiculous. <laughs> Like, no, nobody's going to relate to that. Imagine how scary looking that would be. <laughs> <laughs> little fish mouth singing <laughs> under the seat. Well, the, the look of Ariel, apparently, is very important to middle-aged white men, as there was a very vocal minority that spoke out about the changes Disney is making to Ariel in the live-action version. Why do you think imagery of the mermaid and maybe even specifically the Disney version, is so important to people. Well, I think this is less about that, the imagery of a mermaid, but more like the imagery of their mermaid. 
Mm-hmm. Like they grew up with this and the How dare you change they, this? They they grew up with a lot of these things where these things these people or depictions of them look like them and these are the same people that will say something like Oh, I don't, I don't see, I don't see skin color. It, no, it doesn't matter to me as long as, as long as they can get the job done. So then, when Disney does just that and hires somebody that can get the job done, they're like, "Oh, it looks like the diversity cannon has been shot again." <laughs> diversity cannon. <laughs> no, I, I completely agree. It's, it's, uh, it's frustrating to me when, like. <laughs> When these things happen, they're like, well, who cares? <laughs> it's a it's a goddamn mermaid in a movie. <laughs> yeah, it's like, but how, it's important for some people. How 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 can you make a claim of what a mermaid should look like when mm-hmm. they're not real? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean the same thing happened with uh, Rings of Power recently when it aired. Mm, yeah. people were angry that there were that there were. Uh, black elves or that their hair wasn't blonde and long like people were very angry about the length of elven hair on a tv show (laughs) yeah like i love lord of the rings but i don't i don't care what the (laughs) length of their hair looks like tolkien went to great lengths describing (laughs) (laughs) it's like you you can still read the book and enjoy it this is a different interpretation of that work. I don't... It's very difficult for people to get past that. Yeah, that's another thing that I've noticed that people, when they see something like being... Uh, something from a book they, they love being transformed into some sort of other medium, and they want it to look a certain way. And it's mm-hmm. it's like you said, just, just continue reading the book and... Why, why like, you still have the book you yeah still have the memories that you had when you read that yeah it doesn't i don't know i've never i've never encountered that in my own life where i've i've read a book and then later on a a movie or show comes out and i'm like angry because it's not like the book like i don't <laughs> that way of thinking is so foreign to me i just don't understand getting angry over these things and it's it's also telling how these people don't really understand how movies work or mm-hmm. like how different they are from books themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, going back to my favorite Jurassic Park, I read mm-hmm. the novel oh, yeah. and I'm like, if this was made into a movie like pr- exactly by the novel, it would just be so boring mm-hmm. and so much things that wouldn't make sense on screen because you don't know what the character is thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's there's things on the page that do not translate to the screen. <laughs> Back to Tolkien, a lot of his writings don't translate to the screen very well. It's like yeah. it's you're, they're different mediums and there's restrictions. I mean, um, I mean that was one of the things when when the Lord of the Rings first came out, where people mm-hmm. were like, "This is is it going to be successful?" Because the, this the Lord of the Rings is is a completely uh, it cannot be made into a movie. Mm-hmm. It's it's just mm-hmm. impossible. Mm-hmm. I think even uh, Christopher Tolkien, his son, was against any sort of um, movie making of these works because he he couldn't he did not believe there could be a faithful one to one telling yeah. from the book to movies, and he was I think till his dying day was against the <laughs> um, the movies, and I think he hated the Peter Jackson ones too. <laughs> but I remember when the, yeah the Peter Jackson one came. Uh, versions came out people were against those like he's got he's shitting on the material mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i specifically remember in two towers 
elves come to help at Helm's Deep. And people are freaking out that it, it ruins the, the plight of man because elves came to help them. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> oh, man. So back to our mermaids here. Can you think of any other instances where popular media has really influenced how we interpret the look of creatures or monsters? That Wendigo film we watched kind of popularized the Wendigo looking like a deer thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't think of any other specific ones, but I, I know I've heard people say things like, you know, talking about adaptations again, when when you see a character on a TV show that was from a book, and now you're, and then I'll hear people say things like, I can't picture this actor not being that character anymore. Like, if, mm-hmm. if I go back to read the book, that's the person I'm picturing. I suppose in reverse, too, it happens. Like, I had seen the Harry Potter movies and then went back to read one of the Harry Potter books, and I saw, like, I couldn't picture the characters. I just pictured the actors in the book <laughs> as I read it. Yeah. Uh, so that's, uh, that portion of it's not as fun to go back. <laughs> <laughs> Overall, this is going to be a different look at this entity than we usually do on this show because the expansive history and lore of mermaids is just too goddamn much. It's overwhelming. And once we started this, I was like, oh, no, what have I done? I think we could hit like an eight-hour episode on the origins and the history of mermaids. Could you think, Angel, of all the lists I could make you do in an eight-hour episode? Yeah, it's got to be at least three. <laughs> so, for instance, what are the top four lists I would make you do in an eight-hour episode of Mermaids? Well, that one wouldn't be one because it would be done already. Yep. <laughs> the the amazing thing about mermaids is that cultures around the world have had stories of these entities and different interpretations of what their purpose was or is. Why do you think we as humans are so drawn to mermaids? I think it's the 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 allure of the ocean mm-hmm. and any bodies of, of water really. Like we have tails and stories to keep children from wandering into the lakes and rivers for whatever reason. There's something about water that just attracts people to go to them. People just want to <laughs> dive in and die. <laughs> like they don't want to die, but it just they're allured into it. Yeah. And then, then you get in the into the ocean water, and you're like, oh shit, this is really strong. <laughs> I'm not safe. Yeah, and then you know, people underestimate, you know, um, riptides and currents mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. So. I think it's just uh, you know seeing the ocean and wondering what what's out there. Maybe maybe there's humans that live underwater mm-hmm. or something. Yeah, like you, if you just go out to the beach and look out into the horizon, it's like God damn, that's expansive. Or get on a boat and go even further out, then it gets even more expansive when you can't see land. Yeah, in either direction, it it's kind of scary. And there's, yeah, there's a lot of ocean out there. So getting on a boat back then where you can't like speed through it and you're just sailing away and it's just mm-hmm. water and water, water. You must, you got to think, well, if we just came from this place where there was land and then the rest of the world is just water, maybe there's some kind of creatures that live under there that look like us. I know back in the day when it'd take three months to go across the Atlantic ocean, it's like, oh, <laughs> Good luck. (laughs) 
Yeah, and, and the Atlantic Ocean is the gap is not that big. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> In the book Mermaids: The Myths, Legends, and Lore by Sky Alexander, she wrote: Some researchers theorized that we're drawn to the dichotomy of light and dark that mermaids embody. These lovely ladies are simultaneously desirable and dangerous. They can bring good luck or disaster. Seafarers have long swapped stories about mermaids charming sailors with their heavenly singing, then smashing their ships and drowning the hapless seamen. Mermaid myths usually depict these sensuous sirens with a dual nature. They can be benevolent or malevolent, depending on what mood they're in at any given time. Like women, it's a mermaid's prerogative to change her mind, and when she does, watch out. So I ask you, Angel, we as humans... We love our symbolism in our myths. What do you think is the light and dark that mermaids embody? Well, that same book you quoted from, um, Sky, um, Sky Alexander, mm-hmm. she um, she kind of hints at that mermaids as kind of symbolized the feminine side of men because mm-hmm. it it seems that most the majority of sightings come from men and and men would be afraid of their feminine side for, for uh, you know because that's that's i guess guys and so mm-hmm. it's this idea of that 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 they get seduced by them but then they get killed by them mm-hmm. at the yeah, same they have time. no uh, something they have no control over yeah. the mermaid too I also saw it as like, like you said earlier, just the allure of the sea and being drawn out to it. I think it's like human instinct or an attribute to humanity for exploration and wanting to know what is out there over the horizon. And I think like the the mermaids, the allure is a part of that sense of exploration of going out to an unknown sea and, you know, seeing what's on the other side of it the folklore that comes about that that sense of travel because it's dangerous as hell to be in a wooden ship that's uh, sometimes they just sink <laughs> and sometimes a nasty storm their boat gets flipped over sometimes your entire crew gets sick because they haven't had vitamins in <laughs> two months yeah it's, it's also interesting that um you know mermaids i think were a little bit more amorphous back then like they weren't strictly depicted as these half fish half Mm -hmm. women creatures you know the 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 term uh the 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 a lot of the latin words or the romance romance language words for mermaids is like siren has the word siren in it so so sirens are kind of fall within that group the similar the sirens being that they get they lure men onto the rocks by singing. And mm-hmm. you mentioned this earlier where sirens were once depicted as having bird bodies with just female yeah. heads. Little, little bird ladies. So so even the imagery like kind of changed from these bird mm-hmm. women to like these creatures that live in the ocean. Now we need the the mixture of like a a, a half woman, <clears throat> half seagull. Just flying over the over the water. I think those are called harpies. <laughs> Damn it! So I'm going to throw a philosophical hardball question at you here, but it's it's I've seen it described that 
as humans, we often depicted these half-human, half-animal creatures as a representation of our attempts to find where we as humans fall into the natural world. So in the past, by melding representations or qualities of ourselves with animals, such as a half-fish, half-human mermaid, we are attempting to depict our understanding that we are indeed part of the natural world, the animal world, but also separate from it. So do you agree that storytelling and folklore could be ways to help us rationalize how we organize ourselves into the natural world? I think it was the only way for a long time, actually, until the rise of scientific thought came to be, because otherwise people would just, I don't know, just die because they didn't know how to do anything. Uh (laughs) It seems to be like a way to help rationalize your place in the world that like I'm separate, but still a part of the natural world. Yeah. The imagery, I think, yeah, helps link us to nature that like it it depicts a, a part of a human with animal parts, but it still depicts that entity as being outside of civilization. It like still part of the wildness of nature, not the civilized part of humanity. So it's a it's a neat little representation of humanity. And then what do they do? They kill humans. So just like humanity does to other humans. Yep. <laughs> it's as true as it can be. So there is no way to know when the first stories of mermaids began to be spoken. But we at least know that the first recorded story goes back at least 3,000 years ago. I dare say, Angel, that this may be the oldest entity we have looked at so far. Do you recall anything else that goes this far back? And I know we have lapses in memory of our own show. (laughs) Well, I mean, if you mean actual depictions of it, probably not. But the history of the creatures, then we can say things like, Santa Claus has always been there. Oh, (laughs) from the dawn of time. (laughs) Oh, um, my first thought jumped to goddamn Slenderman signing the (laughs) Declaration of Independence. So he must have been around since the very beginning as well, way back. Who, that's the ultimate question. Who gave birth to the Slenderman? <laughs> what is like on the seventh day, God gave us Slenderman. <laughs> the only only one that I thought of was um, Baba Yaga because I faintly recall like the the form of Baba Yaga like being around from like primordial ooze of <laughs> of the universe, but like the the history of that like what became that entity has always been there that's the only thing i can think of and 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 look at that another female entity (laughs) they go way back being men being feared of those yeah (laughs) i mean i would think that the first entity would probably be female since they're the ones that are gonna give birth well i mean adam just ripped one out of his ribs (laughs) that that is an anomaly (laughs) For the, for the most part, I, I I wanted for this show just to go through some different sightings of mermaids and figure out what the heck is going on with these sea-dwelling Denzians. So right out of the gate, Angel, I am going to blow up your expectations of what a mermaid can be. Strap in. Get the buckle. In the book Records of the Past, Volume 10, Issues 3 and 4, from the year 1911, uh, going back towards your birthday, it was written... <laughs> 
Mr. T. Croft and Croker tells us that the Irish word marrow, or monarch, means both mermaid and a sea monster. In the same work, we read that Pontopidan's sea serpent had a mermaid companion, and that in 887, a mermaid 195 feet long was cast ashore on the north coast of Scotland. So first, please tell me, you also had the imagery in your head that Mr. T. Crafton Croker had a comical amount of gold <laughs> chains about his neck as he was writing about mermaids. <laughs> but, Angel, a 195-long-foot mermaid. To put that into a perspective that I know you will understand, that's almost five full London double-decker buses in length. What do you make of this 195-foot-long mermaid? Maybe perhaps this was the only... Loch Ness Monster. <laughs> oh, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> oh, no. Nessie's dead. Nessie's been dead. Since 887, <laughs> Mr. T. Crofton Croker uh, dug out its bones and made some more necklaces. <laughs> what a name, Mr. T. Crofton Croker. Good Lord. He was wrestling back in those days, too. Mm-hmm, Yeah. But also to the imagery of the London double-decker buses, when I was putting that together, I was like, are these buses on top of each other? I was like, that can't be 195 feet. <laughs> it has to be length. <laughs> hmm. The book continues in one of his Scottish rambles. Sir Walter Scott was fortunate enough to meet a man who had seen a mermaid. According to this individual, the mermaid was a long serpent with a mane and red fiery eyes. These, this imagery angel is way off from what we know mermaids as. What do you think this man saw, if anything? I don't know, some weird kind of albino eel with a mane. <laughs> the, like, was it a, a dead lion a that washed up the coast? <laughs> a dead lion? What? I don't even... What do you... There's got to be some animal that that looks like this somewhere. Some sort is of... it just like... But also, is it just exaggeration? Was there seaweed around the dead creature and it just looked like a mane? I, or some sort of seagrass? One of my questions is, does Sir Walter Scott have an idea of what a mermaid is? And then when he asks this dude that he saw this mermaid, he's like, whoa, that's not what I pictured at all. <laughs> It's like the it's like the damn nandy bear. <laughs> it's, it's it's everything and nothing. <laughs> and and then I suppose back to the hundred and ninety five footer. Was that just a whale? <laughs> it it could be a whale. What if what if it was like a giant squid or something, or at least tentacles that washed up like who knows? Yeah. Or even just animals that decompose in the water and wash ashore. That is creepy sometimes yeah. it's like what the hell is this thing it's clearly some sort of uh military experiment <laughs> gone wrong that escaped from its vat <laughs> they look messed up i can't imagine what happened to the first group of people that see a whale decomposing whale wash up and it just blows up because of the buildup of gases the thing blew up <laughs> That would that like traumatize an entire generation <laughs> with stories of I would this, I would imagine this thing blew up. 
Uh, some guys like standing on it, <laughs> investigating, <laughs> blown just off up in his face. <laughs> While not exactly an eyewitness encounter, the book One Thousand and One Nights, also known as Arabian Nights, mentions a mermaid in it, which I never knew. One of the folk tales tells of mermaids as having moon faces and hair like a woman's, but their hands and feet were in their bellies, and they had tails like fishes. How do you interpret the hands and feet being in their belly, or even the description of a moon face? Well, I imagine hands and feet in the belly, kind of like, I don't know, like a, a, a quadrupedal creature, right? Where they're uh, like close in, like a turtle like even. Almost, or like a little T-Rex arms, maybe? <laughs> maybe. And as for the moon face, you're familiar with the moon face emoji, <laughs> just a big old <laughs> face with its eyes like <laughs> yeah, I'm, with some stupid grin on its face <laughs> I have no idea what a moon face means like craters I don't uh, I'm just thinking like a, um, a, a a wide open face would be a moon face I don't know I'm just thinking a full face <laughs> with hair like a woman's <laughs> mm-hmm. and when i first thought like like hands and feet in their bellies yeah they're just like i'm still thinking of it standing vertically but it's hands and feet like like it stands yeah. on its tail but it's hands and feet are just sticking out like <laughs> um limbs that are no longer used <laughs> yeah I, yeah that's yeah <laughs> so arabian nights <laughs> so, so weird our, our next one your boy, Christopher Columbus, or as you like to call him, Christo Cucumbers, claimed to have an encounter with mermaids. During his first voyage to the Americas, he wrote in his journal that mermaids rose well out of the sea, but they are not so beautiful as they are said to be, <laughs> for their faces had some masculine traits. It is uh, commonly suggested that Christo Cucumbers didn't see mermaids, but actually saw a manatee which can rise out of the water with its head so put yourself in his shoes angel you are traveling across the atlantic and you finally see these mythical creatures that you have heard about your entire life you seemingly find it important enough to jot it down in your journal that night you get real giddy about putting it in your journal but their appearance is nothing like what people said it would be how much of a letdown is that I think it's about as much of a letdown of as not finding India. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure he, th- he thought he did, didn't he? He he thought he saw a mermaid. <laughs> <laughs> I just I love his entry of their appearances. Nothing like people said it would be. <laughs> like you can you can you can feel his his. His frustration and <laughs> sadness. Yeah, he was he was zipping up his pants. He's like, nope, <laughs> oh, no. not happening. <laughs> He's like, I've been out sea for two months. It's uh, <laughs> hold on to that thought, Angel. About 120 years later, Captain John Smith also claimed to have seen a mermaid, but his his was a much more of an intimate moment than Columbus's. John Smith, of of course of Jamestown and Pocahontas fame, claims he saw a mermaid in 1614. In the book, Sea Phantoms or Legends and Superstitions of the Sea and of Sailors in All Lands and at All Times, what a name, by Fletcher Bassett in 1892, it was written that Smith saw a mermaid 
with the upper part of the body perfectly, perfectly resembling a woman. She was swimming about with all possible grace when he descried her near the shore, her large eyes rather too round, her finely shaped nose somewhat short, it is true, her well-formed ears rather too long, however, made her a very agreeable person, and her long green hair imparted to her an original character by no means unattractive. Unfortunately, the beautiful swimmer made a slip, and Captain Smith, who had already begun to experience the first effects of love, discovered that from below the waist the woman gave way to the fish. What do you make of Smith's encounter? Sounds rather fanciful. He was smitten. <laughs> and it sounds like uh, it was it was uh, the fish like uh, the fish tail was the deal breaker. <laughs> I, I don't I don't think it was. <laughs> Cuz he he I think I think the love lasted. <laughs> well then this is the uh, it sounds like this is the inspiration for Disney's version of the Little Mermaid. <laughs> <I> know, <right? laughs> he, he got he got the call of of nature here. Uh, so far, like this seems to be the first encounter detailed with the more traditional mermaid body and and boy was Smith lusting over it. <laughs> now, I did see one source say that this was a completely made up story and Smith never actually reported seeing anything of of this nature. But if it did occur, what could Smith have seen since this encounter has such specific details about the body and specifically how it was so beautiful, Smith instantly fell in love with it. And I suppose even the green hair. Um, maybe he saw the green-haired alien that is of Star Trek fame. What? <laughs> what are you talking about? Green-haired alien? I think, yeah, the green-haired alien. Like, origi- like original series Star Trek? The original series. There's a, there's a whole thing that everyone loves to talk about with... Um, with the captain, does Kirk try Jane, to make love to it? I think he does, or something. <laughs> and she's like, I guess she's got green hair or something that makes her the alien. You're like, oh, she's weird. She's exotic. But everyone, everyone, that's a a big thing amongst the Trekkies <laughs> in, in Trekkie culture. <laughs> As for what John Smith saw, I pretty sure if this had happened he'd made it all up maybe to entice others He's like come over. come over yeah like, i gotta freaking populate jamestown i'm screwed <laughs> yeah i know what happened to roanoke <laughs> it's not gonna happen here my thoughts are that he he saw a native swimming okay why exaggerated the details and if it ever happened and felt the need to say that it had a that they had a fish I, I don't know. I mean, uh, most of them didn't see the natives as, as human beings on a on a, a cold on a just human to human level. They they saw them as as lesser. So I think it tracks that it could be. Does this mean that he was ashamed to admit that he he fell in love and he's like, oh wait, she's a native. I I can't. He ends up marrying one. So yeah, but she was like what thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> but as Disney showed, she can sing with animals. <laughs> so, hey, 
Angel, do you want to have your own encounter? Yep. Just go back to the year 1870. <laughs> In the February 23rd of 1870 edition of the Daily Phoenix, a Columbia, South Carolina paper that I know you hold dear to your heart. <laughs> I found an article that states, A mermaid is on expedition in Benares, the holy city of Bengal. There is no deception. There is no deception. Anybody can go in and see the prodigy on payment of a single pice, a coin so small in value that Western nations would scorn to acknowledge it. <laughs> the mermaid does not come... Up to the old descriptions and pictures of the creature, for there is nothing of that lovely woman about it. It exactly resembles a fish covered in scales in the lower half and a monkey having a head and two arms with fingers and nails in the upper half. It was found in the sea near Japan, and the present owners gave 500 rupees for it, about $300 of our currency. Another was brought over at the same time as big as a man. You could pay to see one, Angel. What do you make of that report? Very fascinating. It sounds almost like a, this, if this wasn't already a, a, a carna- carnival, <laughs> and a, a, a freak show kind of thing, sideshow, mm-hmm. um, this sounds a lot like the Fiji Mermaid. Yeah, exactly, yeah. P.T. Barnum's going to get his hands on that <laughs> shit. He's going to pay good money for it. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite part of the article is, like it shits on the value of that country's currency. It's <laughs> wild. It like leads more with the value that Western nations would scorn to acknowledge it. Like, what the hell is that in a newspaper? But yeah, there was, to my knowledge, a, a pretty serious business for selling mermaids to foreigners uh, from the east. They would, like, specifically, I think it was China or Japan only had one port at the time open to Westerners. And a lot of these little, like, taxidermy mermaids would be sold. Like you said, the London mermaid or the, the Fiji mermaid, it eventually, to my knowledge, became part of P.T. Barnum's curiosity show. Boy, oh boy, look at pictures of that thing. It's not, unless John Smith had some <laughs> some deviant thoughts, it's, it's not looking like something you're going to fall in love with. It might have been an older, of the older generation. <laughs> <laughs> yep, the less refined. <laughs> So anything that you wanted to add about mermaids before the rubric of power? So going back to that book by Sky Alexander, I found while I was reading it some interesting material. But one of the, especially this part where it says, some early people thought human beings evolved from merfolk. And in a way, perhaps we did. And... (laughs) I'm like, wait, what? And it goes on to say that, yeah, (laughs) science tells us that all life originated in the sea. And human embryos developed from fish-like forms in the salty amniotic fluid of their mother's wombs. Maybe we love mermaids because we look at them, we see, when we look at them, we see reflections of ourselves. Now, I don't know if you remember this, but when we spoke about news articles... A while ago, there was a, a whole talk of human sharks. <laughs> Goddamn human sharks. And it got me thinking. What does Steven Spielberg know? <laughs> it got me thinking. Maybe human sharks and mermaids are one and the same. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it turns out that there is 
a theory known as the aquatic ape hypothesis. I don't know if you've heard of this, where um, the proposal is that the evolutionary ancestors of modern humans spent a period of time adapting to a semi-aquatic existence. So that's weird. Why would you think that? Well, this was proposed by a German pathologist, Max, Max Westenhofer, and this is the points that he makes as to why this could be the case. Hairlessness. Humans are fairly hairless compared to other apes. Land-dwelling mammals that have aquatic ancestors, as well as those that currently spend much of their time in wet conditions, also tend to have less hair. However, it says here, humans vary strongly in the amount and distribution of body hair and comparable, comparably sized mammals adapted to semi-aquatic lifestyles actually have dense insulating fur. Uh, so, I don't know, it's kind of like debunking itself right there. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the next one is descended larynx. The human larynx is situated in the throat rather in the, than in the nasal cavity a feature that is shared by some aquatic animals who use it to close off the trachea while d- diving. Okay, I guess. That's proof. <laughs> brain complexity and chemicals. The size and complexity of the brain of humans compared to its physical size and other factors is considered the highest in the animal kingdom, followed by whales, in particular dolphins, other great apes, and certain species of squid. It has been argued that aquatic mammals more often develop large brains and that particularly grassland mammals conversely stagnate in brain development. I feel like they ignore the fact that we're not just standard grassland mammals. I mean, <laughs> we we hunt and, and do our own agriculture, but whatever. So is the idea of the theory that it was like once we became Homo sapiens, then... After that, there was another divergence into the water, or it was pre-Homo sapien? I think the idea was that it was pre-Homo sapien, and there must have been some sort of branch off or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also One of the other points is that babies can swim before walking. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and protruding nose, that human's protruding nose is adapted to keep splashes out of nasal cavities. Nice. <laughs> splashing <laughs> keeping water out of my nasal cavity i don't know it seems more coincidental <laughs> than proven i don't know like yeah um <laughs> what i find interesting is that this website it's it's, it's like a, a wiki for cryptids and it kind of sounds like it wants to believe in the aquatic ape hypothesis but has been pretty widely debunked by greater science yeah but this is their counter their their counter argument so it goes on to say that scientists claim that mermaids have to be a myth because it is impossible for a creature to be half woman and half fish you know fish are cold-blooded women are mammals and they're not cold-blooded Mermaid sightings have been debunked by saying that they might have been mistaken by sea cows or dugongs and manatees. And the thing goes on to say, the problem with this dismissive theory 
is that sea cows only live in tropical waters. <laughs> it's like checkmate scientists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to the Arctic and seeing mermaids. <laughs> Theory proven. Oh. Then it says scientists try to account for this by claiming that what they the sailors were seeing were actually seals instead of manatees. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so. I just find it interesting that we have this aquatic ape hypothesis and this idea that maybe we descended from this. And then we have later on, we find out that maybe we descended from sharks. So maybe there was some kind of innate knowledge or some that nagging feeling you get where like you just know something, but you just can't. present the evidence together and maybe that was has been humanity throughout this entire Mm -hmm. time period where it's like we must have come from some fish somehow and they they just didn't have all the pieces and i think this human shark thing is putting the puzzles the puzzle pieces in the right place everyone knows we're here because the alien geneticist placed us here (laughs) the ones that live in the moon of course (laughs) It's hollow. <laughs> we must destroy the moon. <laughs> <laughs> Blow that shit up. So how about then the rubric of power for mermaids? I'll let you start off here, Angel. The the godly powers of the mermaid. Hit me with it. As we, we mentioned, this is a very generic thing of mermaids. So I decided to look up what powers have been attributed to mermaids and... Even just us talking about it, like the fact that they can lure men onto the rocks. So there's some sort of magical, I don't know, hypnosis kind of thing going on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not just a single man. They're taking down a whole ship. <laughs> they're taking down ships. Yeah. So I have two articles open that, that supposedly list the mermaid powers. So one article says that they can shape shift between mermaid and human, which is what? You know, like the idea that when the mermaid gets out of the water and her and her tail dries out, she gets human legs all of a sudden. You know, that's if you've seen the Disney film, um, was it Luca? That that kind of has a similar theme, and the film Splash apparently was the first film that did that concept. Hmm. Tom Hanks, Trailblazer. <laughs> Uh, apparently, they can control the weather. Yeah. <laughs> they can control water, of course. They can, as I mentioned, use their song to enchant people. They can speak to animals. And that was just, I think this was just listing powers from all kinds of media. So, powers mm-hmm. shown in films and, and other things. They can grant wishes, apparently, in some... Goddamn genies. Yeah. Um, Actually, was it the Arabian Nights? I think... No, that was just a fish that grants wishes. The guy is fishing, and then this fish says to him, please don't eat me. If you let me go, I'll give you three wishes or something like that. No, I'm eating you. (laughs) Then you gain the wish power granting abilities. So this other article goes, you know, this is more focused on mermaids and encrypted. So this one kind of like 
list their powers like if this was a character in a video game. So they have mermaids have enhanced strength. <laughs> what? How? <laughs> I don't know. It's apparently Diana is the one with enhanced strength. I don't know who, who the hell's Diana. I, I don't know who Diana is. But oh, mermaid Diana, you don't know her? <laughs> it's just listed as Diana. Um, I click on the link for Diana and it just gives me a biography of Diana, but I'm like, I don't know what this is referring to. It says Mermaid's Wiki. I don't know if this is the Mermaid's film that came out in 2003. I'm not exactly <laughs> sure what's going on here, but whoever it is, Diana the Mermaid has enhanced strength. Diana also has enhanced senses. What's that even mean? Like sight and touching? <laughs> Touch, taste, and smell. smell and hearing. So it's better than any a human. Okay, I guess. The mermaid known as June <laughs> oh my can God. communicate with sea creatures. Uh, Venus can sing, uh, sing songs. Um, <laughs> That's her power to sing? <laughs> <laughs> Their father can manipulate the tide, and June and Diana have a sonic scream ability. Whoa! And and they also apparently can do wish granting. So that's and their Dang. mermaid human transformation is also on the on there. Now it starts bordering on, on ridiculous. Like one of the powers is underwater breathing. Like come on, just. <laughs> <laughs> And, and then now this is objects of power. We I don't even know what this means anymore. They have eternal youth and longevity. Because uh, yeah, no one ever reports old mermaids. <laughs> yeah, except for that Fiji, right? <laughs> <laughs> it shriveled up in the sun. <laughs> and apparently, they all have telekinesis as well. Oh man, this is this is wild. Uh, I think I think mermaids are great. <laughs> I think it's, uh, I just had to, I had to just give them a four in power. I mean, how could you not? How could you not with all that going on? So here's a question for mermaids that can grant wishes or just any wish granting entity. Can it grant its own wishes? Right. Right. I mean, that's, yeah. Like any, any, I, I guess gen- genies are not supposed to because they're like, that's their punishment or something or Oh, it depends on the story, right? Because genies, mm-hmm. like in the Arabian Nights, are like demons, like they're yeah. actual spirits. <laughs> but yeah, in the modern sense, like can't they just grant themselves wishes? <laughs> yeah, just be more and more powerful, or <laughs> say I don't want to grant wishes anymore. I wish I to no longer grant wishes. <laughs> oh no, you made a wish, Bishop, <laughs> Wishmaster. <laughs> um, here's another question: Mermaids. Eggs or live birth? I think when they're in their human form, <laughs> they give live birth. Oh, like when they are on land? <laughs> yeah, that, that, that when they shape after shape shifting. <laughs> It'd be. Uh, I want to say egg because I think that makes it weirder. <laughs> weirder. Yeah, like not but it, like inside the egg like, is like a little human embryo. It's like a, a shark sack. Mm-hmm. Shark egg sack. Yeah. 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 Just like attached to some uh seagrass. Yep. I had a, I found a lot of uh collaborating support for those those powers, Angel, so we're on a good good start. The book uh Myths Across the Map, Mermaid Myths 
by Cynthia O'Brien tells us this, Angel. Most mermaids are very beautiful. I add this as a power because we all know that John Smith was about to jump into that water and clap those proverbial fish cheeks if that mermaid hadn't swam away. Their beauty and alluring nature is most certainly a power, in my opinion. And then think back to all the other humanoid entities that we have seen. I think they're all exclusively ugly or monstrous and never described as pretty, right? Like, they're always some hideous amalgamation of man and beast but this one's pretty allegedly i guess depending on the culture with that said the book then gets into some fascinating things in myths and legends mermaids have the power to control many things some use these powers for good others however use them to bring death or bad luck to humans the most the most basic mermaid power is her control over the sea angel the most Basic. basic power is control of the sea what it's like breathing well it just comes intrinsically into them the book continues she plays her harp to calm the water but she can create giant waves if she's angry seeing a mermaid can be an omen that a violent storm is coming once at sea sailors may be in danger from evil mermaids these sea maidens can cast a spell by singing or by staring at a human. In this way, mermaids lower people into the water to drown. So that's just the evil ones, I guess. <laughs> now it gets better. The book reads, Mermaids have many other powers too. They brush their hair to strengthen these powers. Mermaids practice telekinesis and can become invisible. Most can swim at incredible speeds. Others grant wishes and can bring riches to their human friends. They brush their hair to get more powerful. Do they like, do they use a fork? <laughs> a, a whirly gig or whatever it is. Um, thingamabob. Thingamabob. <laughs> the 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 book also just throws out that mermaids have the power to see into the future. <laughs> they can divine the future. Finally, if a mermaid kisses a human, that person can then breathe underwater. They can grant underwater breathing by kissing giving a little smooch <laughs> think of what think of what john smith could have done my lord angel this is god tier power unlike anything we have seen i think even unto santa claus beyond that they must also have amazing skin powers we haven't talked about this but i found on sciencefocus.com someone asked how long could you live in water with just your head exposed and the response was assuming the water is warm enough that you don't simply die of hypothermia the next problem would be your skin for reasons that still aren't well understood human skin starts to break down after continuous immersion in water of a few days You'd suffer open sores and be liable to fungal and bacterial infections just from the spores on your skin, even if the water itself was perfectly sterile. The pressure of the water can also reduce the circulation to your extremities and make breathing more difficult. The Chinese government has been accused of immersing political prisoners up to their neck as a form of torture, and victims are reportedly unable to stand or use any of their major muscles for several weeks after immersion of just a few days. Since this water is most certainly far from sterile, it's hard to say how much of the effect is due to the water and how much is due to the contaminants. So their skin has to not be human flesh or 
its super-powered human flesh to go along with their super strength. Because of that, I mean, a four. If I could give higher than a four, I would. <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't get much better than that. Four plus. Four plus. How about the detectability of the mermaid? I wasn't, I wasn't sure about this. Uh, detectability. There are sightings of mermaids. Mm-hmm. It's a hard one. Um, but that, that's as far as much as they get. I don't think there's ever been one captured. There's that one that you get to see that was oh, yeah. half monkey, half pay a pice, <laughs> pay a pice. But that goddamn loser currency. There's no mention of how that one was acquired, and as if oh, yeah. and if it's the Fiji mermaid, we all know it was a hoax. A little raisin mermaid. <laughs> and I guess sightings have gotten less now because we're not we're not stupid. We're not. We don't believe that humans are swimming in the waters now. And I don't know, maybe maybe it's just me, but maybe maybe manatees have gotten thicker over the years. <laughs> manatees thick. <laughs> because when, I, when I've seen those things, I'm like, there's no way I can ever mm-hmm. mistake that for a person. I mean, they're so big. <laughs> they're so I big. Mean, Angel, remember the natives didn't know what a boat was. <laughs> they, <laughs> they, they, they couldn't, couldn't see, see it. it. <laughs> so... <laughs> Clearly, these people just looked out in the ocean and saw, you know, a naked woman. They just saw floating things, but, and it's like, it must be a woman. And Christopher Cucumbers is like, oh, it's kind of masculine. He's the only one that was unaffected by the, he the magic. by the allure. He's yep. like, they're not that hot. He had his, his famous magical rings upon his fingers. That's, that's what kept them abstaining. Kept him cool as a cucumber. <laughs> Uh, I guess detectability, I gave them a two. Mm, yeah, I'm, I'm almost in the same, as you could say, boat. The, <laughs> the book I mentioned for the powers uh, stated this as well. Some mermaids hide behind the rocks to avoid being seen. How, <laughs> how bogus is that? Some have the power to just become invisible, but then some <laughs> peasant-leveled mermaids just have to, you know, hide behind rocks. Well, that's they have to short end of the stick. They have to learn that magic. <laughs> Can you just wish not to be seen? I don't know. Now, this is uh, this is a hard one to to rank because seemingly mermaids have been around since before the dawn of the written word. So tons of people have claimed to have to have seen them. Um, John Smith detected one so hard he fell in love with it, and he had to settle marrying Pocahontas. So. <laughs> <laughs> I I ranked the powers of the uh, the detectability of a mermaid a two point two two. Oh my! God. And when you look at when you look at that in uh, in a font, it sort of looks like a fish. <laughs> How about the lo- the lore? Good God, lore and mystique of the mermaid. Before I go into the lore, I just want to mention that I just scrolled to the bottom of the powers article, and there's more. <laughs> it's it's like a it doom scrolls it just keeps going and going and going. They they, they call them habits. <laughs> These are the habits. Yeah, this of is the, just uh... their regular habits. This is totally normal. They have night vision. <laughs> a habit? What? <laughs> this is my my favorite part, just because of the way it just sounds so childish. They have super speed. 
<laughs> Isn't that one of the attributes you hate? Super speed. <laughs> I thought it was flying. Flying. Uh, yeah. I think. Don't you hate? Don't you hate swimming too? <laughs> Anything that's normal. That. <laughs> if you could swim, normal modes of locomotion. You could fly. Like that doesn't impress me. Come on. <laughs> uh, Shania Twain over here. Don't impress me much. Okay, um, lore. I mean. You, you you said it with your exclamation. I mean, there's so much lore behind these things. There's so much mystique. There are different kinds of mermaids depending on what region of the world you're in. I mean, there's there's European style mermaids. There's African style. There's Asian style. There's North. Uh, I'm assuming uh, North. Um, there there's South, South American. American. Yeah. yeah, there are North American. There, there's everyone. Every culture has some sort of mermaid. <laughs> Uh, tail or, or mermaid frenzy yeah and if you go and if you want to expand on the definition of mermaid if you want to talk about like water spirits that just expands and creates mm-hmm. more um that book the sky alexander book again um talks about the, the first parts of her book she's talking about uh the, like the 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 water nymphs nymphs in of greek mythology apparently the greeks distinguished different kinds of uh, these water creatures based on where they live so if it's the ocean they're called oceanids but if it's in the uh, i forget which one's which i'm not looking at it right now but then you have the naiads and the nereids so they all have like different like <laughs> the greeks have distinguished the kind of mermaid slash siren creature slash nymph whatever you want to call it like there's so much that you could go into we like this episode that you're listening to right now is not going to give you uh uh, a complete exposition of this because there's so much to go into you want to study the african mermaids you know you want to study the asian when you you got to look all that stuff up there's just so much rich history behind it that it's just awe-inspiring i think there's an idea in anthropology that's um there's some storytelling elements or folklore that's so intrinsic to humanity that it goes way back to like before people disseminated around the world Mm -hmm. and it's almost like mermaid mythology traveled around the world from like the earliest civilizations or it's inherently like just uh, popped up by coincidence or just by natural storytelling elements that it's everywhere in the world. It, it, I always wonder, like, you know, people pass down stories and, and, and they change over time. But if we go back, uh, we go back so far that we meet, reach like the, the ancestors to humans. We don't like do we know if we, they had language or not? Don't know. But what if there was a point where they were in that semi-aquatic stage and they finally emerged into land and they remembered, you know, it's like my grandfather Uh used to live in the ocean (laughs) and they somehow passed that information down and it just became this thing, mermaids and, and, and maybe all the other weird ass stories we have is just from people passing on stories from what they remember seeing. Mm -hmm. Oral story is a hell of a drug. You get addicted <laughs> to those things. <laughs> Just keep telling them and telling them and telling them. Anyway, yeah, this this gets a four. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, there there is so much lore that I I had to change the format of the show because it would have been possible <laughs> to even try to make a concise mermaid history. You could just make a show about mermaids and go multiple seasons. I would not want to do that, but there is enough <laughs> out there to be able to do such a thing. In my research, I I I read someone who claimed to have killed one and ate it <laughs> and said that the mermaid tasted like fatty pork. Oh so <laughs> we have that out there. I gave the lore a four. How about then the cunning of the mermaid angel? Is it going to be controversial? It is going to be controversial because typically I give uh, high scores to, to, to the humanoids. humanoids, but also... But also, it's like they, mm, they, <laughs> the, the mermaid has evolved. I mean, I guess that I guess that makes sense. The mermaid has evolved because they they were once this alluring, but also something to be feared thing, and and they have been you know um, commercialized and homo- sanitized. And sanitized. <laughs> so now they're this approachable thing. They're still you know depicted they're, they're depicted more beautiful than ever. And mm-hmm. and now everyone wants to be a mermaid or wants to be with a mermaid, and nobody's scared of them. So I guess maybe they they are intelligent enough to change their brand, their their marketing. <laughs> <laughs> they pivoted. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I mean four. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Human upper body presumes the human brain as well, not a fish brain. <laughs> They're better than human because of their powers. Like <laughs> the telekinesis, mm-hmm. their brain can project telekinesis apparently. So uh, I, I had to give them a four. There's no way I could not. How about the impact on popular Jesus, culture? I, why are we even doing this? Like <laughs> everyone knows what a mermaid is. Disney, if they weren't popular before Disney, Disney definitely propelled their uh, popularity on mermaids. I mean, there's two films. There's one. I was just talking to to you, Matt, about this before we started recording. There's a film that came out in 1990 called Mermaids, and it's not even about mermaids. <laughs> <laughs> and then I guess that got corrected because in 2003, a film called Mermaids, not related to the first one, is all about mermaids. <laughs> mm-hmm. You can have it either way, with or without the mermaids, but it's both called Mermaid. Yep. Uh, I, there's mermaid. I mean, video games. There's books. There's so many books. Uh, so many books. <laughs> so like many books. If you want a romantic novel Romance. or a young adult, you you can get a mermaid. Oh my one. god! It's it's yeah. <laughs> just cartoons. There's all kinds of depictions of them everywhere. I I wonder. I kind of want to know like how popular were mermaids prior to this boom of mm-hmm. commercialization but even still uh, it's yeah it's, it's four four everywhere <laughs> in my uh research when i was looking at old newspapers i i i found one from it was either the 1700s or the 1800s it, it was a uh, an ad for a uh a company called mermaid clam food like it was there was clams and they <laughs> <laughs> it was like mermaid canning or something like that so they they branded around the mermaid back then to sell their clam meat <laughs> wow uh i mean the impact on pop culture it's it's too much it's 
It's like when an American girl hits like the age of three or four years old, they have two choices to make. You may either become a unicorn girl or a mermaid girl. <laughs> These are are the the branches of life that you may take in your first steps to become you. And you better make the right choice. <laughs> there's there's just too much to cover. It's it's overwhelming to even start. And like the last time this happened, it was freaking Santa Claus that we were ranking. So I had to give it a four oh my God. for impact on pop culture. So what did your score add up for? For the mermaid. 18. And I was at an 18.22. Jesus. So that puts our score for the mermaid in the rubric of power at a 18.11. Oh my God. Mermaid is up there with the likes of Santa Claus and Mrs. Claus. What did Mrs. Claus have? Mrs. Claus had a 18.175. Oh, that was close. <laughs> what did Santa have? Uh, 18.5. My lord, the hierarchy here. Santa Claus, Mrs. Claus, and then mermaids. mermaids. <laughs> now we just need to find the mermaid Santa. <laughs> God among men. That's that's King Triton, I think. <laughs> Who'd have thought this would have been our highest ranking for this season? Mm-hmm. And are you going to say the line? Let me let me let me see if I can get this. Is it you have just been or is it we just you, you just got okay. cracked. Mermaids, you just got cracked. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Put that stamp on it. <laughs> when I like I feel like when I say that there should be like a sound effect that goes crank. <laughs> We need, like, on social media, a little stamp to put over a mermaid picture that says, (laughs) you just got cracked. (laughs) Goddamn merfolk. They're too powerful. We need to put an end to them. (laughs) We need to kill all the merfolk. (laughs) That one guy was worried about the sharks destroying humanity. It's the mermaids. (laughs) But if the mermaids are attacking humans, which were like human sharks... We must, we must realize that we gotta, we gotta stop all this hate. We need to make <laughs> friends with the mermaids. And all Black Panther Two is gonna do is set a human mermaid relations back with <laughs> Namor attacking. Okay, so maybe from with all that water that is surrounding you, merfolk out there. You, maybe you can put out the trash fires that are going on in Twitter right now. <laughs> and we need the great flood. We need a great flood at Twitter. Well, j- we didn't mention it, but there's the picture of the merfolk helping Noah and his ark. That's right. With, with the murdog. <laughs> That's right. There's a murdog. <laughs> so he, doggy, doggy, swim your way to Twitter <laughs> land. <laughs> and tweet at us. At Cracking Curios. I don't know. I get, We're just going to stay on Twitter, I guess. It's <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> Include hashtag Cracked Cryptos. Until it's gone. <laughs> right in and out. Um, Which could be any day. Could be any day. <laughs> However, Instagram's not going anywhere anytime soon. So go ahead and go on there. Find us at Cracking Cryptids. And tag us. 
mention us, do something. Again, I mentioned in the beginning of the episode or around then that I will give you a badge for your moon grassing. If you send us an email on the secret, (laughs) you get some secrets with a donation. Uh, (laughs) uh, If you send an email at cracking cryptids and curios at gmail.com warning, don't send us money, please. If you expect a badge, that's not happening. There's no moon grassing because I'm I'm deciding I'm not going to give you guys any of the secrets. (laughs) We're so close to the secret. (laughs) I was almost going to pay my dollar. Uh, you can find us on your most favorited podcast hosting platform. Maybe even on your most hated as well. We're on that one too because we don't discriminate. So go ahead and tell your friends about us too. You know what? Just take their phone and secretly subscribe them to us because you know they're listening to podcasts and then delete all their other subscriptions. So when they're driving to work, or whenever they feel like they're going to listen, they're like, what did all my subscriptions go? And they're like, what's this one? And they just start playing. And there you go. We have a new fan. <laughs> As always, avoid those rocks because that song you're hearing is not for you. Give us a little song, a little siren song. <laughs> Catwalking? <laughs> This has been an I am actually traveling back into time production. It says Mermaid's Wiki. I don't know.